as many of you know, uh, we are in this series called Kingdom Culture. And part of our desire is to see the kingdom of God develop and expand. And one of the things about the kingdom of God is this, that as Matthew is talking about the kingdom, and that's one of the key themes in the Gospel of Matthew, he's reminding us of how the kingdom expands. And we see uh, from the, uh, the very beginning that the kingdom of God begins with one person, and that person is Jesus Christ. And, and the whole uh, uh, nativity narrative in the beginning and, and the genealogy going all the way back uh, to Adam himself reminds us that really Jesus is the ultimate man, God, man, in human flesh. And so that begins the Gospel of Matthew and transitions to the nation of Israel. And we see that uh, Abraham was the father of, of, of all of Israel. Uh, and as a result, we see that Jesus is in the lineage of Abraham. And then the next person that he talks about is David, that Jesus in the lineage of David. David is the ultimate king of Israel, and Jesus even surpasses that. Well, that's where the Gospel of Matthew begins. And throughout the Gospel of Matthew, we see this interesting unfolding of who Jesus is. Now, imagine if you were living in the first century, you had no idea who this guy was. He claimed to be somebody that nobody had even heard of. He had, in some ways, he had claimed to be the Messiah. And everybody looked with uh, Jesus with suspicion. And as a result, we see this uh, carpenter from the northern part of Israel uh, in Galilee d begins to do some amazing things. Uh, he begins to heal people, do miraculous signs, begins to even control some aspect of nature. And we see this uh, in, the, in the stories before. But the thing that Jesus does that I think is, is, is different than any other teacher of that day is that he's able to communicate what God is like. He's able to communicate what the kingdom of God is like. And he communicated that through what we would call stories. Jesus was so unique that even in those days when they heard Jesus, he was different than any other person that they ever, ever heard. Uh, the Bible describes Jesus' teaching as a man with authority. When Jesus taught, there was something unique about him because he wasn't just man. He wasn't just a teacher. He wasn't just a prophet. He was God in human flesh. And in chapter 13, now Jesus is going to sort of unveil for us this aspect of the kingdom of God. And this is what we've been talking about. What is the kingdom of God? Well, the kingdom of God simply is God's rule and reign over all mankind. And so in these series of parables in chapter 13, he gives about seven different parables. Uh, he reminds us of how the rule of God will take place. And in some ways, these parables describe kind of a past reality of how the kingdom uh, grew, or, uh, and the present reality of how, how the kingdom will be received. And then, the most important, the future idea of what the kingdom will look like. And hidden sort of in these parables is what the kingdom of God ultimately will look like. So that's what these parables are in chapter 13. They're called the kingdom parables. And two of my favorite parables really is the parable about the mustard seed. Well, as some of you know, in this particular book in the Gospel of Matthew, he begins with a parable about the four soils. And what he's talking about there simply are the four types of responses of, of people to the kingdom of God. And then he switches to talk about there are two really classifications of people, the wheat and the tares, meaning those who are going to accept God's message and those who are going to reject. But in these next two parables that I want to focus on, Jesus is going to focus on how the kingdom expands. 
And this is where you and I play a role. Because the kingdom of God expands through the people of God, through the followers of Jesus. And it's important for us to remember this, that when we look at the kingdom of God, God uses ordinary people like you and me to expand his kingdom. But one of the things that I think oftentimes we feel is that we feel limited in that. How can God use this limited individual to expand God's kingdom? And here's the good news, that often our limitations or our liabilities are the greatest assets for the kingdom of God. I've shared this story many times before, but it's a story about a young judo student uh, who wanted to master the art of judo. And this 10-year-old boy uh, was in a car accident. And eventually in this car accident, he, uh, it left him set, uh, severely in- injured and he had his left arm amputated. Of course, for any judo uh, student, that that would mean the end of their dreams. But his loss of an arm only increased the boy's determination to compete. So despite the amputation, he went to his master and said, would you train me? Would you teach me? And, And the master was reluctant and said, you know, it's almost impossible to do judo with only one arm. But this boy with one healthy right arm said, I will I will do whatever I can. And the master said, okay, on one condition, that you're going to have to do everything I say. And they practice this move every day, week after week, month after month. The judo master taught his young protege on how to fight with just one arm. Well, eventually this one-armed boy (laughs) complained and said, I want to learn other moves. And And the master said, no, just focus on what I just taught you. Eventually, this one-armed boy was allowed to enter a judo tournament where he surprised everyone by advancing through all the different ranks. You've seen those YouTube videos where the the most impossible situation where somebody is so limited achieves their dream. Well, this boy went all the way to the final match where he was going to compete against a, a young man who had already won before. And everybody knew that this was the last draw for this one-armed right-handed boy. Well, something happened in the, in the match. As they were wrestling together, this, uh, the young boy with two strong arms sort of lost concentration as he was trying to battle around this, this one-armed boy. And he did something that was almost miraculous. This one-armed boy was able to pin his other opponent down. And everybody cheered. He eventually won the match. When the match was over, Um, they asked the teacher, how did this boy win? And the master said, first of all, he mastered one of the most difficult moves in all of judo. And secondly, he said, the only defense against that move is to get your opponent's left arm. Now, when I read that story, it's like, okay, that makes a lot of sense, doesn't it? That the very limitation that he had was actually not his liability but was the asset that allowed him to achieve his dreams. And I think about this as Christians. Sometimes we live in a world where we feel like there's a lot of limitations. The world is changing rapidly around us as we see all the things that are around us collapsing, even in terms of our sense of security, our finances, sense of even our health as as the virus is spreading rapidly, globally, economically, and we have no idea of where the world is headed. And sometimes we as Christians feel like we are left out. And, and, and right now, with all the racial attention that's going on, there's a tipping point. 
And for us as Christians, sometimes we can easily cower back and stay sort of in this mode of, of trying to figure out what are we called to do? Well, I believe what we're called to do is what Jesus called us to do. Is that in the midst of crisis, he calls us to advance. With the limitations that we have, the very limitations that we bear is the very thing that God uses. Because God is not interested in using strong and, and two-armed people. He's, he's interested in using people that have all sorts of limitations. Because that's the way in which the gospel advanced. God did not choose the strong things of this world. But God chooses the weakest things of this world. And that's one of the beautiful marks of, about the gospel. God does not choose the superstars to advance his kingdom. But God chooses ordinary, limited people like you and me. And that's what these parables talk about. There are two important principles that I want to share with you that I think are important when we think about the kingdom of God. And the first is the parable about the mustard seed. Uh, he said this. He told him this parable about the mustard seed. In verse 31, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed which a man took, planted in his field. Though it is the smallest of all seeds, yet when it grows, it is the largest of garden plants. And becomes a tree, so that the birds come and perch in its branches. The first principle that I think is important for us is that our greatest impact for the kingdom of God will happen through a chain reaction of sometimes the smallest act. In other words, the gospel impact doesn't happen when we do something really big. Oftentimes, it's small little things that we do that makes gospel impact. When Jesus used this parable, what he was describing was a natural phenomenon that, they, that existed. He, he was picking up a mustard seed. Now, if you've ever seen what a, a mustard seed looked like, a mustard seed was not this huge seed. It was actually one of the tiniest seeds that existed in the Middle East. And you know what Jesus says? He says that the kingdom of God is like that little mustard seed. that It's inv almost invisible to the naked eye. And I believe that really the smallest of the seed describes its insignificance. And that insignificance is what the disciples felt. Imagine if you were in the first century. You're following this, this obscure teacher named Jesus. And you're listening to Jesus talk about this kingdom. And everybody else is looking to Rome. And, and they're comparing what's happening in that little place in Palestine, in Galilee, to what is the power of Rome. Imagine how weak and small and vulnerable they felt. But you know what Jesus says? That the kingdom of God is like that. That our greatest significance doesn't happen on the biggest scale. That our biggest significance happens often when it is small. It is the seed that we plant. And I think that's one of the things I want to encourage you fathers especially on this, Father's that you are planting seeds. So often we want the fruit before we plant the seed. We want character development before we instill in them character. And, and the thing that I want to remind all the men in this room, as well as for those of you who are women, is that the most important thing for the gospel is that we take the little gospel seed that we have and begin to plant it into people's hearts. Sometimes it's the small things that make the biggest difference. Later on, when Jesus talks about faith in Matthew chapter 17, verse 20, he compares faith to the mustard seed. 
He says uh, in chapter 17, verse 20, because you have so little faith, I tell you, if you have a faith as small as a mustard seed and you say to the mountains, move from here to there, nothing will be impossible for you. The beautiful thing about a seed is that organically, seed is meant to be planted and a seed is meant to grow. And that's what the gospel does. The gospel, even though it is small, it is meant to take root in our hearts and to grow and to permeate. And eventually what he says here is this, that the gospel is meant to become the largest of the garden plants. Do you want to see how small a mustard seed is? Uh, you, you see it on, on the image, right? You see this little tiny mustard seed. Do you know what the mustard seed becomes? It becomes a mustard tree. Here's what a mustard tree is. Imagine the smallness of the gospel can permeate. And eventually, here's the good news, everybody, okay? I'm going to fast forward into, into, into the future reality. He says this, even though it's the smallest of all seeds, when it grows, it becomes a tree so that the birds come and perch in its branches. That's actually very metaphoric. What Jesus is describing is the ultimate reign and rule of God over all of creation. I've shared this before. At the end of the day, the kingdom of God will reign. At the end of the day, Jesus will sit on the throne, and every man, every person who has ever lived will declare Jesus is Lord. That is the end destiny of all hum humankind. The gospel ultimately becomes victorious. So what is our role? Our role at this time is to remember that we are to continually plant the seed of the gospel in our society, in individuals, in our neighbors, in our children. Because what happens is sometimes that little seed does something that is very miraculous. Richard Stearns uh, is a, the, a former president of World Vision. And he talks about this domino effect of spiritual impact. And he says this, that imagine if you were to imagine all the disciples being lined up as dominoes. And he says that when you knock over one domino, you start a chain reaction. Jesus set up the first 12 dominoes. And these are the dominoes that he set up in this chapter here. And he mentored them, empowered them with the Holy Spirit. And then he sent them off to do likewise. And as these dominoes began to grow, uh, their influence began to grow. And he tells an interesting story in the 1880s. He says uh, there a, a, was a man named Richard Wilder who was a missionary to India. And Richard Wilder uh, dreamed of going back to India. He came back to the States when he was a little boy. But he was often ill, physically ill. So he never fulfilled his dream of going back to India. So he decided to do something different. He decided to go to the different college campuses and, be, and, and share the gospel and call others to go overseas. And Robert Wilder one day went to Chicago. And a young man named Samuel Moffat heard the message. And Samuel Moffat signed Robert's pledge, and within two years, he landed in this small, little, obscure country that nobody had even heard of, the land of the morning calm. It was a land called Korea. And he landed in, in, in this uh, city called Pyongyang, which today is, is the capital of North Korea. And, and Samuel Moffat shared the gospel with a man who was a Taoist. His name was uh, Kil Sun Chu. And Kil Sun Chu trusted Jesus. And another domino fell. In 1907, Kiel, with one of the leaders of, 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 of Pyongyang, 
sparked this revival. In January of that year, spontaneous prayer and confession broke out. Thousands and thousands of people became Christians. And the, eventually the Korean church was given birth. About 30 years later, what Kyo Sun Chun died, over 5,000 people attended his funeral. What's remarkable about that story is uh, somebody who has grown up as a Korean-American is my heritage. goes way back into those days in which the, a missionary, a seed, landed in Korea, proclaimed the gospel. Next to the United States, Korea sends out more missionaries than any other country. Imagine a country that's not even a whole country. It's halfway divided has influenced the world with the gospel. And I'm here partly because of that. And I think the encouragement I want to give to you is this, that your great impact may not happen with all the assets that you have, but rather your greatest impact may happen with the limitations and liabilities. That oftentimes it's the physically ill. It's the one that are discouraged. It's the one that is overwhelmed by stress that God often uses because that's when we have our dependence on him. But there's a second interesting part of the story. Jesus not only talks about the ultimate expansion of the kingdom through the mustard seed, he talks about how the gospel influences society. And notice he tells a second parable. It's the parable about the east. And in this parable he says this in verse 33. He told them still another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like east. A woman took Mixed it about 60 pounds of silver, I mean flour, until it worked all the way through the dough. Now, it's, it's, a, it's a household illustration, right? This woman is cooking a meal, and many of you who, are, who like to cook, you know, you, you get that sort of uh, flour, and, but you put a little bit of yeast in. And what happens to that flour is that the yeast permeates the whole flour, and guess what? The bread or the, uh, the flower begins to grow. And I believe that's the second point of the parable. How does the gospel expand? It permeates every aspect of society. Our greatest impact happens by our willingness that you are east, permeating society in everyday life. You know, in this uh, parable, oftentimes we, we think of east as being negative, but it's, when Jesus uses east, he doesn't talk about it in a negative sense. In one instance, in Matthew 16, 6, he does say, be careful about the east of the Pharisees. What Jesus is talking about, when he's talking about east, he's talking about influence. When Jesus is describing east, he's talking about what permeates the flower. And he is now saying this, that you as gospel people are to permeate every aspect of society. Often we get the idea that the only ones who can serve God are those in positions that can serve God, being a pastor, a missionary, a, a, a youth intern, uh, somebody who works in the church. But, but the reality is this. Those titles did not exist in the first century. When Jesus was talking to the disciples, he was talking to ordinary people. He was talking to fishermen, small business owners. He was talking to women who were working in the household of, of, of even Pilate. He was talking to people that were just ordinary folks like you and me. And the point that he's making is this, that the way the gospel permeates is that we are to be in society making its impact by permeating every aspect. Because there are two things that, that we need transformation in for us to do that. One is character transformation. 
that when Jesus is, is describing this, he's talking about people that are going to be different. Yeast is different than the flour. And I think for us, the, the most important makeover is character formation. I like what 2 Corinthians 5.17 reminds us. Therefore, if anyone's in Christ, that person is a new creation. The old has come and the new has come. The old is gone and the new has come. The gospel changes our mindset, and it changes the way we behave. It changes our character. And that's what makes Christians different. Christians are different because Christ now changes. And in some sense, our old self is crucified, and our new self is reborn. That's why the cross and the resurrection are so central to the, to the whole idea of character transformation. We die to ourselves, and we resurrect with Christ. And what happens is that when we become different people, we act differently at our jobs. We act differently with our coworkers. Rather than looking like everybody else, we are more patient with people. We are more kind with people. We are more loving with people. We are more forgiving with people. But the second thing about the gospel, it not only does it transform our character, here's the second thing that the gospel transforms. It transforms our career. Now, there are some youth here in college and young adults. Oftentimes, we sort of separate our, what we do, our vocation, to our faith. Did you know the Latin word for vocation means calling? Vocation has to do with what God has called you to do. I love the way Jesus describes vocation. He takes what is material and transforms it into what is spiritual. Remember, he goes to a bunch of fishermen and he says, Hey, fishermen, today... You used to catch fish, but now I'm going to help you catch, be fishers of men. He took what they were doing and transformed it into something that was eternal. What does that mean for you? It means this, that for us to permeate every aspect of society, we have to allow God to take our careers, first for us to offer it up, but secondly, take that career and to see how that is going to help the gospel. And you could transform society that way an attorney a business person a nurse a doctor a teacher whatever it is god has placed you in that place so that you can make a difference tim keller i wrote a book called every good endeavor and he says this all christians are engaged in god's work not merely christians working in ministry when a baker bakes bread or a musician writes beautiful music, they are the means through which God provides food and art to the world. Therefore, Christianity believes that all work has dignity and should be celebrated. Yet Christians must be careful not to divorce their faith from their work. We cannot bifurcate what we confess on Sunday from how we actually live the other six days of our lives. Every profession will possess unique challenges that Christians must learn how to navigate in order to glorify God in their specific field. What a powerful reminder that every single thing is done to the glory of God. Whatever you do, whether you work and play, do it for the kingdom of God. You know, many years ago, when we um, started this church, we started with the name Ambassador Church. Because really, in some sense, that's what an ambassador is, someone who represents somebody that is higher, somebody that is different, somebody of a higher authority. And our job as Christians is to be an ambassador to our jobs, 
wherever you may be. So as we conclude our time, I just want you guys to be reminded that oftentimes the things that we feel most limited in are the things that God uses to permeate our culture. And that you need to be faithful with wherever God calls you. And for those of you who are dads, remember this, that your faithfulness begins with your kids, planting the seed of the gospel in their hearts. You know, I can't, I, I don't know what's going to happen in the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years. But I do know that, that when we are faithful in planting the seed of the gospel, God does some amazing things. There's a, a book called Wiki Church many years ago. Uh, actually, not that many years ago, but it was written a few years ago. This gentleman named Steve Morell, and he was working as a campus pastor, campus ministry in Mississippi University. He was married to a, uh, his wife, Deborah, and they were ministering to kids. And one day, God called them on a short-term mission trip. And so they flew over. Uh, they were originally going to go to Korea, but they ended up uh, landed in the Philippines. Uh, and they stayed in the Philippines for a little bit. Uh, and part of the reason that they stayed, there was riots going on, and they couldn't get out of the Philippines. And, and what they had originally hoped for to go to Korea was now stuck <laughs> in the Philippines. He writes, he had never met a Filipino before and don't, didn't know anything about the Filipino culture. In May of 1984, he would need $5,000 for a two-month trip. He had no sense of call to the mission field but went with the help of a friend. And he said this, kind of interesting. I didn't get a call from God, he wrote, just a phone call from uh, 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 this university. And they began to sort of do these evangelistic rallies. And what happened was that in the, as they went to uh, one of the main campuses in Manila, 165 people came to Christ through their ministry. They didn't know what to do. So what it started as a two-month trip ended up being a 30-year a, a trip. They stayed in the Philippines, took these 65 children or, or, or college students, discipled them, and started a church. And as they started the small church, began to grow little by little and little by little. Eventually, that church has now become a church of over 80,000 people uh, in the, all across the Philippines and Manila. And I thought to myself, wow, God took one little seed, to go to a place that he didn't expect, to disciple people he never knew, to ultimately impact the gospel. My challenge to all of you sitting here and watching is that you are that seed of the gospel. Wherever God has planted you, remember this, that as long as you remain faithful to the task and are planted where you are, ask God the prayer, God, how can you use me to make a gospel difference to the people around me. And that should be our prayer every day. Let's pray.